0: Listening to the Red Sea Podcast. Back to folk. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions.
1: Part of the Over the Monster Network.
0: Swinging a high, deep drive in right field. That one's called to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Presented by SB Nation. At Fenway Park, for 95 years, the Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. Here comes a 1-2 pitch. The
1: Red Sox win the World
0: Series. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. strikeouts in 2017 for Chris Sale.
1: An absolute strikeout machine, 13 tonight against the
0: Baltimore Orioles. They're all loaded. High fly ball, deep in the left center field, Get out way it. back it carries, and that ball is gone! The Red Sox walk it off, in style! That's how it's done. The X-Man Strikes. Fly ball to deep left center field. Devers has hit it out. The rookie takes Chapman the other way to tie the game.
1: Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Uh, Those are also my affiliations, too. So welcome back, everybody. Um, Thanks for joining us again for another show. Um, Keaton, we've got some big news. The baseball. The baseball has started, as the kids say these days. Yes, spring training has kicked off. Uh, We've already seen a few games here. Um, You know, some some varsity squad action, a little bit of that JV squad action. Um, So that's cool. I like seeing baseball. It's fun. I watched a whole spring training baseball game on my television the other day. It was great.
0: Wow. A whole game. I have not seen a whole game yet. I've seen some bits and pieces of some, But just seeing any kind of baseball is just exciting. So, I mean, I'm taking what I can get at this point.
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh it was also nice weather today, uh where I am here in Massachusetts, so um it makes me feel like spring is around the corner. Um I was really depressed last week when I was looking at everybody's pictures from spring training and uh then looking out my window at the doom and gloom uh weather outside. But <laughs> now that the weather's starting to turn, it's like it's it's good all around.
0: So That's some great weather uh, here too. It was up to uh 54 and sunny here in Chicago. Nice. That's and, nice. And uh, now it's supposed to snow on Tuesday and Wednesday. So, so right not, back to reality. Not as nice. Not as yeah. nice.
1: We have a full show for you today. We're going to be talking about uh, the Red Sox and Padres potential trade. We're going to be talking about um, some additions to the Red Sox, um, both the coaching staff, players, added players. We're going to be looking at some questions, um, spring training storylines, and then we have a bunch of your questions as well that we're going to get to today. So it's a big full show. I want to start off, Keaton, by talking about the big potential trade rumor that's happening between the Red Sox and the Padres, one of the teams that was rumored to be in there for uh, Betts' potential services. Obviously, the deal with the Dodgers got made. It made a lot more sense. It was a cleaner deal. Um, but the Red Sox are talking to the Padres about taking on Will Myers' contract, at least part of his contract, um, and receiving some players back uh, as compensation for doing that. A few of the names that have been floated around are pretty damn big names, actually. Cal Quantrill, the pitcher, he could be you know, potential fifth starter for this team. Luis Camposano, one of the best catcher prospects. Uh, Gabriel Arias is another player that's been floated. So we're not really sure exactly how this trade would work out. Um, Will Myers is guaranteed uh, $61 million over the next three years. And it's rumored that the Padres want the Red Sox to take over about half of that. <coughs> um, and it's unclear if the Red Sox would be sending much of anything back. So Uh, It's really interesting, uh, to say the least. We haven't really heard a whole ton about it since the 19th, so that's about four days ago. Um, But it's potential they could still be working that out. So, Keaton, what was your impression when you first heard about this potential Red Sox deal? We did get a couple uh, questions about it as well. Um, One from Andrew Amir asking if it's a legit thing, and uh, one from Sturge asking, who basically says, uh, I love JBJ, but wouldn't hate a JBJ for Myers and Quantrill Swap. Control swap. Uh, I agree with him. I, I think it, uh, I would be happy to do that, especially with uh, Pilar here.
0: I mean, I would be happy to do that, too. There's no way in hell San Diego does that as the deal, though. Uh, they would need a lot more for that. Uh, JBJ and Myers' contracts are relatively similar. Um, and especially if um, San Diego is giving about $6.5 million to the Red Sox, then that would make Will Myers even cheaper than JBJ. And they would be giving us Cal Quantrill. They would need a lot more than just JBJ going back in return for that deal to happen. So I would make that in a heartbeat, <laughs> as San Diego would not, unfortunately. But that's I think the biggest mystery in all this is what the hell are the Red Sox giving up in this deal? And that's the piece that's been missing in all these rumors. We've even heard that there's uh Cincinnati might be involved because San Diego still has their eyes on Nick Senzel. Um but there's been no rumors at all as to what pieces the Red Sox might be giving up, and I have no clue what they actually have to give up to get a deal like this done. Uh, The only thing that I can think of is it's kind of weird because a lot of these names are the same names that we were hearing when they were talking about giving up Mookie and trading him to the Padres as well. So it's like I can't imagine we're looking at like, I mean, the next best player the Red Sox have is Chris Sale. And I can't imagine that's happening. Um, That wouldn't really make any sense at all. So I'm really confused as to what the Red Sox are going at here. I mean, I'm not... It wouldn't surprise me if they still have some interests in Cal Quantrill specifically and if they have to take on Myers to do it, trying to figure out a way to get it done. I just don't know what they give up to get it done. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they have the pieces or or how, how they make that work with what's left on the roster, particularly because San Diego, they're not far off from competing. I mean, the Dodgers are... I mean, at this point, they, they have to be head and shoulders above everybody else. But they're not – San Diego isn't far off from that second tier of teams, uh, particularly in the uh, NL. But um, I would say as a World Series contender, they're not far off. So if they – I don't, I just don't know what pieces the Red Sox could offer them that would help. Uh, the rumor was that they're looking for an outfielder. So JBJ would make sense. Um a game-changing outfielder, I think, was the terminology. Which, uh, if you're just looking at defense, that he would qualify, sure. Um, which wouldn't, um, which makes sense why they're still looking at Nick Senzel as an outfield option. Um, even though he has some injury issues, I think he still has some shine on him. Um, but I, I guess I'm not sure. If that's the case, then I don't think that. All of those pieces mentioned in the package are going to end up with the Red Sox. I would think the prospects then probably end up going to Cincinnati. The Red Sox take the contract and Quantrill, and then maybe um, they do give up JBJ, and um, they send a couple prospects to Cincy, as well as the prospects that uh, some lower level prospects from the Red Sox to Cincy as well as the higher level prospects from San Diego to Cincy to cover Cinzel. Maybe that's a way that it, it ends up working, but I just, I'm really confused. I don't, I don't know how I'm struggling to see how it works with just hmm. the pieces. The Red Sox have left. I'm not sure how, how, if you see a clearer path to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I agree that it's it's a little con- confusing. The only two guys that I really thought of when I was thinking of pieces that the Red Sox could send out were JBJ and Michael Chavis. Um, but I, I do think JBJ would help either of those teams if he went to if he was sent either to the Reds or to the um, to the Padres, particularly the Padres, because they have such a big outfield that he could patrol, and I think he could have a larger impact there um, and kind of cover up for some of the mistakes that, um, some of their fielders could make. Um, it would be pretty nice. I mean, if you had him alongside, uh, Tommy Pham and Trent Grisham, that'd be a pretty incredible outfield, um, for, for this upcoming season. And it would make sense to me that some type of, uh, swap taking on a bunch of money, um, could get the Red Sox, you know, a couple, a couple good pieces back there. Um, and I do think it is something that JBJ is off the books after this year. So, yeah, they'd have to take on the $11 million bucks or whatever, but $11 million is still quite a, bu- a bit less than uh, $31 million bucks or $30 million or whatever ha- they'd have to take on. So whatever $20 million worth of prospects is, I guess that's what the Red Sox would be getting back in a deal where they uh, took on Will Myers and sent out that package. Yeah, maybe that's if- a good point. And then for the Red Sox, I mean, they would just simply move Pilar uh, to. Um, well, they might keep Pilar in right field. They might move JB or uh, Benintendi to center field and uh, stick Will Myers in left field because probably the only position he could uh, play for the Red Sox in the outfield probably wouldn't be a very good right fielder in Fenway.
0: No, I would not want to see that at all.
1: And you probably would only see that alignment. Until Verdugo came back healthy and then Will Myers would be a bench piece.
0: You don't think he would get some run at first? I think he'd get a little time at first.
1: I just don't think that he's that good right now. But I think he could help at first. Yeah. <clears throat> and and it is, it does make me wonder too. Um, how does uh, Bloom see Michael Chavis too? Because that's a piece that... You could conceivably move off of the roster. I know you're loath to hear this, Keaton, but um, I am. You know, I'm plugging if, my ears. If, if if Bloom decides that he's not the biggest Michael Chavis fan in the world, it would clear out, um, you know, some confusion on the roster. I guess um, where you know Michael Chavis doesn't fit quite so neatly into first or second base, and they have other people they could play there. So <laughs> that would make some sense considering the. Options of guys they have on the bench to kind of fill in and guys they have coming up in the minors, especially with Jeter Downs now.
0: Yeah, it's true. So, and also if they thought that, um, oh my god, what's his name? Uh, Dahlbach might be able to kind of fill in some of the Chavis role, um, unless they wanted to dedicate him to first base, which I'm not sure they really do know what they want to do with them yet
1: yeah it's gonna be interesting um i'm kind of rooting for it to happen because i want some more excitement um in spring so we'll see um but as we get more information on it we'll definitely bring it up here uh moving on red Sox claimed phillips valdez today and place pedroia on the 60 day il uh do you have any thoughts on this keaton nope me neither um, moving on, uh, Jerry Naron has been hired as the Red Sox bench coach. He was previously the Diamondbacks bench coach for the last three years. Interestingly enough, he was also Grady Little's bench coach in 2003 with the Red Sox, and he was Ron Reneke's bench coach for five years in Milwaukee. So he reunites with Ron Reneke. Um, but I think I was most shocked to read that he was Grady Little's bench coach.
0: Yeah. That was surprising. Um, also
1: his there. hand, handwriting, his calligraphy. Did you see that today? In the I lineup did see card? that.
0: That was how long do you think that took it? You think that's just his natural handwriting? Oh no,
1: that, that definitely took him like a while. Um, which means that he got to the ballpark super early today and was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit at this desk for like two hours filling out this lineup card. Um, which is amazingly weird, and I kind of
0: like it. Yeah, I kind of liked it, too. Uh, I Like, I was trying to think of how long it would have taken me to... I mean, like, it's absurd, The just the uh, the amount of time and detail that that would have taken. Like, it legitimately would have taken me... on Like, maybe three hours <laughs> to do that. Like, just the... Like, the fine points and how, like, how you'd have to, like, rotate your wrist to get, like, some of the accents on, like, the letters and the the line width on the letter. Like, it just, I would have, it would have taken me forever to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think it would
1: have looked like it was done by some eight-year-old with Crayola crayons if I tried to do that so i could i could have as much time as i wanted we did get a question from the uh the always glass half full jeff wax who says please explain why the twitter media repopulators uh, continue cutting and pasting news items and report on such mundane topics as jerry Narone's penmanship (laughs) Oh, man, uh, raise the sunshine over here from Jeff. But, yes, you know, it is interesting. It was the first thing I thought when I saw the lineup card this morning was, like, who the hell created this thing? Um, and I didn't find out for, like, a, a good hour. So, you know what? It's spring training baseball. You need distractions like this. And, in fact, I think that's what makes baseball so wonderful is the fact that you can turn on a game and they can be talking – Completely about something that is not the baseball game. Like, for instance, uh, in the game that I watched this weekend, Steve Lyons was talking about how he used to be a UPS driver in the offseason and how he had uh, gotten a rental UPS truck. It wasn't even a UPS truck. It had bad transmission and the thing flipped out of gear and started running down the road and hit a giant shrubbery in someone's yard and didn't hit their house. But He continued to uh, deliver packages, and they fired him when he got back. And It was just a a wonderful story because it just shows the type of things you can talk about during a baseball game, um,
0: which I love. My favorite was still when uh, Remy and Eck roasted Fred Lynn for his ugly Hawaiian shirt (laughs) for about three innings. That was great. That that was an awesome time.
1: I'm also very fond of the uh, Remy and Orsillo discussions of the moon and the phases of the moon. Um, That's always stuck with me. So Baseball's baseball's great. Baseball's the best for the mundane. And like the announcers, they become part of the experience in a way that you know it's just as personal as the players. So I I love it. Maybe more personal.
0: Yeah. And I would qualify uh, Jerry Neron's penmanship as anything but mundane, personally. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I
1: mean, dude could definitely start a side business doing, like, wedding invitations or something. Seriously. Maybe he has one. Side hustle. Who knows? All right. On to more player news. Red Sox signed Jonathan Lucroy to compete with Kevin Ploeki for the backup catcher's job. A uh, big part of Luke Roy's signing here was his relationship with Mareniki, too. Um, so I'm sure he's happy about Jerry Neron being part of this team. Um, but who do you have in that battle of the backups? Luke Roy or Ploiecki? Yeah, I kind of like Luke Roy. Interesting. Why?
0: Um, I like uh, his experience, his relationship to the coaching staff. And I also uh, am really enjoying his press conferences. Mm. And I hope that he sticks around. Because he seems like a, a strong leader in the clubhouse. So I, I would like him to stick around.
1: Yeah, he's only a couple of years, too, removed from um, a season where he had 24 home runs. Um, he wasn't very good last year. He had just eight home runs in 101 games and hit .232. Um, but yeah, I mean, LeCroy was one of the best catchers in baseball for a long period of time. Um, and he's still only 33, so he's interesting. Maybe more interesting than Ploiecki. Um Although Ploiecki graded out as a significantly better defender than him last year. But you have to assume that Lucroy, with the amount of experience he has, is probably more adept at handling a pitching staff. So, there's a lot to consider.
0: There is. Who's better at working the ump's? Ooh, that's what we need.
1: I mean, Lucroy's definitely got him in experience. Um,
0: yeah, it's true.
1: It is true. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I kind of uh, do like the idea of Lucroy because I think veteran presences are going to be really important to this team this year as the team transitions, and I think that having his voice in the clubhouse is probably a really good thing, especially for Renicky and Neron being kind of new to the positions that they're in. Obviously, Reneke's not new to the clubhouse or the players, but um, I'm sure that it would be nice for him to have another person who clearly respects his voice in leadership.
0: Yeah, and that's... I mean, you know, he's, he's had a few speaking... I uh, don't really press conferences, but appearances with the media, I guess. Media appearances, whatever you want to call them. Um, and he's been... Uh, a strong voice for, I mean, it's mostly been discussions about the Astros and what they were going through, but I don't really think the topic matters that much. It's more of um, how he's been saying it and with the conviction and in, in what he's been talking about, I think that he would be a great presence in the clubhouse and be a great leader. And yeah. I think as you pointed out, that's something that they kind of need through this transition year, or whatever the hell we're calling it, uh, so I hope that he makes the roster because I've been impressed with how he's carried himself here in just a short time he's been with the Red Sox, and I think he'd be a he'd have a great effect on the clubhouse and the roster.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I you've convinced me enough that I'm fully team Luke right now. Great. Um, all right. So I wanted to move on to talk about some of the biggest questions that we have heading into. Uh, spring training. And as a site uh, at OTM, we did a roundtable on this this past week. Um, And I took some of the themes and some of the questions and kind of tweaked them a little bit um, to make some questions for us, Keaton, um, five questions for the spring. And the first one that I have here is, will Andrew Benintendi have the best season of his career this year? Considering the season that he had last year. Um, So essentially what I'm asking is, will he be better than the 2018 version of himself where he hit 290, 366, 465 with 16 home runs and 21 stolen bases? What do you think?
0: Oh, boy. Um. I want to say yes. I mean, in some ways, but in others, no. Like, I think, I don't think he has a better slash, but I think he has more home runs, not quite as many steals, but has like a better overall year, which probably doesn't sound great. So,
1: 122 WRC plus is what he had that year with 4.4 war, according to Fangraphs. Do you think he'll be above or below 122 WRC plus?
0: So, I think he can be above that. Like, I think he can hit, like, 280 with, like, 25 bombs, 15 steals. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I would say that's a better year, but the, uh, the slash line, like, wouldn't be quite as good. The steals wouldn't be quite as good, but the overall year would still look better. Like, Does the, he beat the some of the parts would be greater than the whole, as they say. Or the whole would be greater than some of the parts, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. The second one. Yeah. Um, do you think he'll be a better defender than he was? Certainly last year. Um, yes. Because last year, he famously kind of bulked up a little bit and wasn't as mobile. And we saw that both on the base paths, his base running scores were worse, um, and his defensive presence was worse in left field.
0: Yeah, I think he will be better. It seemed like, it kind of seemed like the Devers effects kind of happened with him where uh, Devers struggles in the field kind of seemed to, or I mean, whichever way you want to go. His struggles in the field, the beginning of the year kind of bled over to his struggles at the plate. And then once one started to turn around, so did the other. Kind of seemed like that started. To happen with Benintendi, where things kind of weren't going right in one area, and things just started to kind of go wrong all over the place, and he'd go through stretches where he just he looked like he was a platoon bench fourth outfielder uh, when we needed him to be better. And you know, Cora talked about the need for him to be more hitterish, which I think we kind of understood what we were, what he was getting at. Um, but it's a lot easier when. You know things are going right in the field when you're not making as many mistakes on the base pass when you have just one thing to think about um, rather than like a whole bunch. So starting the the year clean and kind of maybe just focus on, focusing on that one thing um, probably would be a way for that to help. But I, I think that he will have that kind of bounce back year.
1: I totally agree. I'm big on Benintendi this year. I, I think if anybody can benefit from. The expectations on the team being a little bit lower, um, and him coming in in better shape, more comfortable with kind of uh, where he is as a player, and not putting so much pressure on himself, and also not having to worry about the contract thing for this year or next year. I think all those things together um, make me think that he's going to have a good year. And you know, he's still just twenty five years old. He's a guy who. Fangraphs, when he was a prospect, I mean, graded him out at a 65 future value uh, with a 70-grade hit tool. I mean, this guy is one of the better pure hitters in baseball uh, when when he's right. So I think we're going to see a career year from Benintendi this season. I think that's that's a great thing, and one of the things I'm looking forward to watching in spring training, the first thing he did uh, when I saw him was – get up there and just stroke one to right field. And I think we're going to see a lot of that with him not being as, as patient, not thinking he needs to, you know, sit on as many pitches and just kind of playing baseball because when that guy's in rhythm, man, there are few guys who can hit the ball better than he can.
0: Correct. I mean, he's got that smooth, smooth swing. It is, uh, I mean, it's, I feel like someone's going to yell at me for this, but it's it's when it's going right, it's pretty close to, to JD Drew. <laughs> yeah, it's buttery. It is. it is.
1: It is. It is. I agree.
0: Like it All looks right. long, but it's not. Like that's no. what I mean.
1: I buy that. And they both go about their business in the same kind of quiet way. So, yeah. You can see a little JD in them. All right, next question. Who takes the fifth starter spot? And this kind of goes along with a question that we got from Zach. It says, how would you construct the fifth starter spot? Um, And, oh, yeah, Keith Kaito also says, um, what do they do in regard to the fifth starter spot? The rotation is paper thin at the moment, and I feel like success of the season rests on the starters. I agree. how do you imagine that fifth starter spot working out? Who takes it? Does anybody take it?
0: I really don't want it to be a uh, opener because I don't think this bullpen is built for that, and <clears throat> I feel like we really detailed in, um, or we laid out in great detail the waterfall effect <sighs> that having an opener has on the Red Sox bullpen and how it really struggled. Um because everybody kind of gets moved down. I guess when you have a bullpen day, then you're stretching guys out, um, using them more often Matt Barnes got used to an incredible extent, um, at a level that with, uh, an actual fifth starter able to go like five plus, just a minimum of five, um, probably wouldn't have needed to be used as often because you would have had other people healthy uh, in situations that he ended up going in that you wouldn't have needed to push him into. Um, so you could have saved him. So it's just, it, I I just really don't want to see that again because I, this bullpen is not built for it. Like Tampa Bay's bullpen was legitimately built for that. They had like three or four guys in their bullpen that could go like three innings at a time. Red Sox bullpen last year, and as it is currently constructed now, does not have people that can do that. So, they should not try and force them to. Um, my gut tells me it's going to be Brian Johnson time because I don't know that they have anybody else who can do it. Um, he's kind of like their spot starter guy. Um, <coughs> I don't know. I don't, do you remember what his contract situation is? They, like, outrighted him, right? So he, Yeah, at least so have he's to off the 40-man man roster. He, yeah. yeah,
1: He'd have to be added. That wouldn't really be a big deal. Uh, to add him, but he is out
0: of options, um, so he would have to. Uh, I mean, I guess that's not really a big deal right now, players. though, because they don't have a, a. Yeah, it's not like they had. It's not like last year where they had Evaldi waiting in the wings and they were using him as a gap until like somebody got healthy. Right now, they don't have any other options. So if he was added to the forty man, I mean, he would be there. Um, yeah, I would rather do that than an opener. But I'd, I would prefer it not be him, and I'd prefer it be somebody else. And I would prefer it be um, uh, just somebody who is built to pitch five innings every fifth day. And I guess I don't really care um, the state of the uh, rotation, what the quality of those five innings are. Just get through five. Save, save the bullpen on that fifth day and use them the other four.
1: Yeah, I really uh... – I agree I don't want to see an opener because I agree with you on the bullpen. I think we've kind of touched on that before, how we don't think that's really how this whole thing's set up to work. Um, I don't want to see Matt Hall in that spot. I also don't want to see Brian Johnson. For me, I'd want to see somebody a little bit more interesting, whether that's them actually going out and trading for Cal Quantrill. If it's somebody on the Red Sox 40-man or somebody who's – a non-roster invite um, who's not on the 40 man but could be I would really like to see in this order I think um, I would like to see Tanner Houck would be my number one choice my number two choice would probably be Kyle Hart um, and my number three choice would probably be ooh, oh there's so many bad options um, I after, there's a lot right <laughs> yeah I mean after Hulk and Hart I really don't care uh, who it is because all of those guys like Schwerin and Weber and Mazza and you know, everybody else is kind of interchangeable to me um, so I don't know I'd kind of like to see them just give give Hulk the opportunity to see what he can do um, so yeah, I, I guess know. I
0: wouldn't mind that either They don't really have much to lose
1: no and you know Tanner houck has got really interesting stuff and obviously he hasn't put it together yet so it might be a little bold to to do that but you know if he's gonna be if he's gonna be a reliever like let's exhaust the the starting options before before he's actually transitioned to that full time you know maybe something clicks so I don't know
0: yeah I think you gotta give him a shot before you commit to guys as a as in a relief role, yeah. So there, there's literally no better time than now. So
1: exactly, yeah. They they need him. Yeah. Um. All right. So I realized that I phrased this question the wrong way, but you did. I will phrase it the way that I wanted to phrase it, um, but didn't. So my next question is. Will Erod have a season like he had last year, where he had a 3.81 ERA um, through 203 innings, or will we see a more inconsistent Erod like we've seen in the past uh, years that kind of stick out to me in that regard, 2016, um, 2017 to some degree?
0: Um, what do we see from him? Well, I mean, his trend – Year over year is that he's improved. Um, and the last year was the first time that he had pitched more than like 130 innings, uh, and he went way over that, got over 200. Um, I guess I don't. I wouldn't be surprised um, if he fell short of 200, but uh, 180 plus, um, like a three six bunch of strikeouts. I'd feel pretty great about that. Um, I mean, every single year he's improved his stat line, um, with or without injuries of course every year it's usually been with with injuries but yeah <clears throat> i mean i guess i i see no reason um not to expect him to just to continue to get better so I, I mean i would expect uh another solid year from Erod.
1: yeah that's been um the thing with erod that's been the most inconsistent part about him has been uh just simply how many innings he's going to throw um because 2016, he had kind of an off year, but in 2015, 2016, or I'm sorry, 2017, and 2018, and 2019, his ERAs were like almost the same. It was 385 in 2015, uh, 419 in 2017, 382 in 2018, and 381 in 2019. So he's pretty much that high threes ERA pitcher, um, albeit he's added more strikeouts, uh, over the last couple of years um but he's somebody who's just been maddeningly, maddeningly inconsistent um, due to his health um so last year he did stay healthy he had a 3.7 war season that was pretty solid um he also had a great ground ball rate which is something he hadn't had in the past so that was good um but i'm just worried about him he uh he already had a fall um <laughs> this season i don't know if you heard about this did you hear about this keaton
0: It didn't. (laughs) In the spring?
1: Yes. So (laughs) yesterday, I think it was, he was supposed to be throwing off of the mound. And he tripped over the mound and tweaked his right knee, I believe. It's not – whatever the knee is that he hasn't had surgery on is the one that he tweaked. So it says Rodriguez slipped prior to a bullpen session Wednesday and is dealing with left knee soreness. So that's what it is, left knee soreness. Um, but he's the type of guy that when he's not a hundred percent healthy, he, he definitely doesn't go out there. And if he does go out there, it's hideous when he's not a hundred percent healthy. Um, so I am worried about him. Um, so I guess my thought on him repeating a 200 inning season or anything close, I actually, I would be shocked if he was over 170 innings pitched this year.
0: I mean, we know that's all it takes. I mean, it was a wet bullpen mound in Baltimore that. Shot him into right knee surgery. So we we know that that's it's just something as simple as that. So this isn't a great start. I might I might rescind everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's worrisome. God damn it!
1: I mean, there's probably no pitcher on this uh, in this rotation that, oh, boy. that news would be worse for, um, considering what we know about him. But I don't know. He's more important to the rotation than ever before. Especially because he's slotting in as the number two starting pitcher. and He's in his prime. He's 26, about to turn 27. This is typically the year where pitchers go on runs. Yep. It'll be a big one. Let's stay with the pitching thing. Question number four. Will Chris Sale regain his form, and will he be over or under? 160 innings pitched.
0: Well, um, I mean, I know it's pneumonia, um, so it's not like he can help it, Uh, but he's already in doubt for opening day. Um, But, and they they said they're not going to rush him, which is great. I want him to take all the time that he needs to be healthy from the sickness and from his... Elbow issues, arm issues. Um, And if that means that he doesn't pitch until mid-April, fine. Because they need him to be himself again. Otherwise, um, I mean, I, I don't think I can stand to watch him go out there and then just get roughed up every outing again. It just, it hurt my soul.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the way that he's reporting how he feels, he says (laughs) that those injections really helped. He had more time off than he's ever had in his life. He feels fully healthy right now. Uh, That's what he's reporting. The sleeve that he's wearing on his arm actually measures torque and all these different things on the ligaments that are in your arm. So the team is taking every precaution here. I'm going to set the line for you, Keaton, and you're going to tell me whether he's going to be over or under this for ERA. Um, 3.4 ERA, over or under this year.
0: His career rate is 3.03. Yeah, that was actually a really good mark. Yeah, I'm going to be optimistic. And I'm going to say under. I agree. But I don't feel great about it.
1: Over or under 160 innings pitched?
0: Uh, over.
1: Same. So we're both optimistic about Chris Sale this year.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, given the track record, it's just incredibly hard not to be. I, agree. I mean, even though, uh, taking everything into account, it's just like it, it's not like you're dealing with a normal pitcher here. It's Chris freaking Sale. So it's just really hard not to expect him, especially just given his demeanor. It's just really hard not to expect him to just put everything behind him and go out there and shove.
1: I agree. That's what frontline guys do. That's what people with the attitude of Chris Sale do. So hopefully he can do that for this team. I know he wants nothing more than to be out there and be a factor. Um, Michael Chavis is the center of our fifth and final question on these spring training you worded this one questions. terrible too. Yes, I did. <laughs> um Michael Chavis. Will he be over or under a two forty batting average for this year? We know that the big question with Michael Chavis is whether he can hit that high heat or if that's gonna be a big uh you know, factor in him not succeeding. So last year he hit two fifty four. Uh when he's in the minor leagues, he was routinely a three hundred hitter, so what does he do? Over. Okay, and if he's over, does he strike out more than thirty percent of the time or less than thirty percent of the time? His mark was thirty three point two last year.
0: Under, and that's the reason I think he's going to have it in check and be about twenty five to twenty seven percent.
1: That'd be a big drop if he could be if he could replicate what he did at AAA um, in twenty nineteen before he got called up, where he. Had a strikeout rate of 26.6%. Anywhere right around that zone. He was at 25.2 at AA in 2018 when he hit 303. I think that would go a long way. Um I'm less optimistic than you about this Keith. So I'm gonna take the under on both. Uh or under on two forty and the over on thirty <coughs> percent K rate. I just haven't seen any evidence of him making that that jump to be able to uh, counteract what pitchers are doing to him right now. So I need to see that before I can be convinced.
0: Just wait for it. It's coming. Okay, hope so. Be patient. Love the guy, so I want to see it happen. All right, let's
1: move on to listener questions. Uh, Zach has our first listener question, and he says, What guy makes the opening day roster... That we may have not expected. Do you have a guy, Keaton?
0: Um, I don't off the top of my head. Um, All right. Let me give you my guy first. Okay.
1: My guy is Bobby Dalbeck. I think... <laughs> so that was that the
0: guy I was thinking too.
1: <laughs> with Verdugo um, being banged up right now, I think that he makes a lot of sense for this roster. He can play some third. He can play some first. Uh, They may even be able to slide him over into the outfield in a pinch. Um, He just makes this roster more flexible. And I think that the bat could play uh, up here. So that's going to be the dude for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was the the guy that first came to my mind, too. Um, Because I think he had an outside shot at making the roster anyway with like a really solid spring. Um <clears throat> um, Man, I don't I guess uh, I'll go with Brian Johnson just because he would have to be added to the 40 man, which I think would be weird so I'll go with him just given the state of the, the uh, starting rotation Solid It's a solid one, absolutely
1: Okay, next question from It's Uncle Jeff and he says, "Any chance Darwinson can be a starting pitcher?"
0: Um, I guess there's a chance. Um, I think it's unlikely, and I think we saw where his the more of his value would be in the bullpen. Um, at the end of last year, <coughs> uh, I think. I mean, we saw a couple flashes, really, of what could be like one of the more solid lights out seventh, eighth, ninth in the majors with Darwin's to Barnes to workman um, when it's working, when Darwin's in has control. Um, and when workman has control is both of them had walks per nine over four. Uh, actually might've been both over four and a half even. Um, so when they have, when they, when they both have control um, there's almost nothing you can do when you're going seven, eight to nine there. And when, Barnes isn't overused uh, but we only saw a couple flashes here and there down the stretch um, we didn't really get to see it for extended period of times, and we didn't even get to see it really like back to back but we did get to see flashes of it so I think that's really where um, he would be more valuable is locking down that 7 to 8 to 9 roll um, if they can be more consistent
1: yeah, I agree. I um, I don't think he has much of a chance of starting. Uh, last year, he did throw eighty-seven and two-thirds innings uh, across double A, AA, AAA, and in his time with the Red Sox. Um, but you alluded to—I mean, his walk problems are just absolutely out of control, um, and those weren't in control particularly when he was a starter either. I think the stuff just plays so much better out of a, a bullpen role, and it's easier to have better control and to harness your stuff when you're in a, you know, you're pitching on the stretch. There's less moving parts. You're you're you know you're in the bullpen. You're you don't have to control it for as long. Um, and I think he could be a multi-inning weapon, like you said. Um, but Ron Renicki has mentioned the fact that he doesn't tire. I mean, he he holds his velo well, and he's a guy who could potentially. You know, maybe if they needed to have a guy who follows an opener, like Darwins and Hernandez is all of a sudden one of the more interesting options in the bullpen to do that. I think him and Walden are guys that come to mind as multi-inning, you know, maybe even three to four inning guys if they need. So it's enticing, but I still think I agree with you that his best role is as that multi-inning relief ace. Yep. All right. Kirk has our next question. He says, a little over a week later, can you now do a new introspective to the Mookie trade now that emotions have settled a little bit? No. Do you feel any different about it?
0: (coughs) No. Excuse me. Um, I feel just the same. And with every press conference, um, to which actually I guess I should apologize to – the Red Sox, because I think that was one of the stipulations. Uh, We had a listener question. um, Do we think that they're going to do a press conference to explain it? And I said, nope, because they don't. And then they had two. (laughs) They proved me wrong. (laughs) So apologies to you, Boston Red Sox. However, they were bad, and they really did not do anything to explain – I mean they did, but they, I mean they're just run from it. They the whole they made the trade because of the CBT, um, and it was painfully obvious. And then they tried to um, explain it to fans like they think we're stupid and tell us that it wasn't because of the CBT. Uh, and I would have way more respect for them if they just came out and said, "Yeah, that was why we did it. We didn't want to pay the uh, CBT tax for another year, even though we could have easily reset." Uh, any other time And we had until the end of the season To even reset this year We just didn't want to do it So we traded him To get cheaper players <coughs> um, And they even I mean they the Henry said it um, They traded one year of control For Mookie for uh, It was like 17 years of control From the guys that they did get um, And it was really disappointing To hear them say that Because Jake and I On this podcast Uh, at the trade deadline, talked about how disappointing it was to hear uh, the GM of Toronto talk about all the years of control they uh, acquired. It was like 40-some years of control they acquired from all the deadline deals that they made, and how disappointing it was to hear uh, GM talk in terms of years of control rather than actual talent of players. So it was really disappointing to hear that from John Henry, uh, especially when the uh, veil that they were trying to put up was all about how... Uh, their focus is on competing for championships and they want more championships and they their focus for this trade was on talent and not the CBT. And then they traded away the second best player in baseball. The reason they made it was because of CBT. That was the only reason they made it. And they're afraid to tell their fans that, which I think is stupid because Red Sox fans are smarter than that. And they would have more respect from their own fans if they would just sack up and say it, but they won't. And it's incredibly frustrating. And we can move on from it. We can accept it and move on from it. And we have the players on the team that are on the team now, and we're going to root for them. We're going to hope they do well. We're also going to hope that Mookie does well in LA, and we're going to be really pissed off about it. Um, but you know, they suck at press conferences. They're never going to get any better at them, um, and they're just going to continue to talk to fans like they think were stupid. So that's kind of how it's going to go. So my feelings, my emotions have not settled one bit.
1: No, it, it appears not. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i not emotional about this at all, so um, I don't have any feelings. So I just hope that we stop getting questions about Mookie, because after this week, I'm not going to answer any more of your questions about Mookie, people. Yeah. Uh, Seth Day has our next question. He says, where do you see the Red Sox finishing the end of the season? Uh... So I did my first draft of the standings for each of the divisions right now. And I have the Red Sox behind the Yankees, the Rays, uh, in third place in the division. And I have them narrowly missing the playoffs. I think the Red Sox are going to win about 86 games this year. And I don't think it'll be good enough for a playoff spot. So that's where I'm at right now.
0: Yeah, I've been stuck between, like, 77 to
1: 80. Okay. So you're definitely lower on them than I am. Yeah. Uh, Mark Rush has another question, or has a question. Um, He says, this one's tailor-made for you too, Keaton. Uh, He says, why should I care about this year when ownership doesn't?
0: There are still exciting things about this team. Raphael Devers, continued improvement, kids... Still only a kid, and he's still going to be getting better. Uh, Xander Bogarts being the captain X of this team, and how he emerges in that role. I mean, which he was kind of already emerging into last year as he steps in to be the you know the, the face of the franchise really now. Um, Michael Chavis, obviously, I'm going to talk about him until I'm blue in the face and probably even further. Uh, Alex Verdugo is a fine ball player. I'm ex- I'm ha- excited to have him on the team. The kid can hit. He's going to be fun to watch. Um, <coughs> he's he's going to be a guy that uh, that grows on us. He's going to be a good ball player.
1: I think this is a garbage question. Um, it is such a whiny take, and I'm sorry to call you out like this, Mark. But like, I agree. The ownership doesn't care about the team. Yeah, they don't care about the team. They just throw millions and millions and millions of dollars into this ball club since they've acquired this team and they've won four world series and they pay routinely top free agents on the market and i think probably i don't know 27 other franchise fan bases would love to have ownership that doesn't care about the team as much as this ownership does i mean jesus what else do you want um it just it's it's very whiny, uh, especially remembering like what life was like pre two thousand four. Come on, man. Uh we care about this team because we root for laundry. We root for teams, like that's what we do. And if if one year is gonna change your fandom, you weren't really a fan in the first place. So move on then.
0: Yeah. There's still plenty to like about this team. Yeah, this team's awesome.
1: Um, Brian Joyner um has a question. He says First time, long time. What are the chances everything just goes haywire? If X endeavors regress a little, and everything else just bounces bad a couple times, it seems like after the trade, everyone was like, "They'll be okay." But what this question presupposes is maybe not. So I think very real possibility. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing, right? So the the ceiling of this team is lowered, but also the floor is lowered um, by not having a guy like. Mookie on the team,
0: yeah. So left a much. I mean, uh, we already had questions about the starting rotation Uh, without David Price. It's even bigger questions now because now you legitimately don't have a fifth starter. Um, I think we were frustrated with the bullpen last year, and nothing has changed. So we'll probably still be frustrated with it again. Um, I guess I wouldn't expect. Uh, Xander endeavors to regress, but it's definitely a possibility.
1: Yeah, shit. So, yeah, yeah, I mean I think just Dangerous as easily
0: happen. um just as easily your scenario that they are a wild card team um could go the other way and just as easily they could win seventy five games. Yeah, I agree. Um
1: I don't think I don't think there's really a scenario where the group with this talent is like a sixty seven win team or something like that with yeah. like the Tigers. Um, you know, I don't think that's possible. But yeah, if if things don't go correctly, if Chris Sale's still banged up and Devers regresses and X doesn't do what he did last year, then yeah, maybe they're like a seventy-five win team. So, and that would put them kind of fighting with the Blue Jays, presumably for third place, which is not what you want. But we've seen it before. Yeah. Um, Gordon Comstock has our next question. He says. You have to bet a thousand bucks of your own money one way or the other. Does Mookie finish this year over or under 7.5
0: war? I'd say over. And that lineup, boy's going to feast.
1: Uh, I agree. Mookie finishes over 7.5 war. I'm going to say a boy puts up. Oh, he's so good. Uh, nine, nine, nine war.
0: Yeah, I was thinking nine and a half. Oh, he's so good.
1: He is. I got to say, too, he does look good in Dodger Blue. He does. God damn it. All right. I'm sad now. Um, Moving on. Purple Row. Um, our, Our Rockies affiliate over here at SB Nation has a question for us, which I love. So thanks for reaching out, Purple Row. Shouts if you're a Rockies fan, go check them out. He says, hey, Monster, Daniel Bard is taking a run at returning to baseball as a Rocky. Any thoughts on him making a comeback? Thanks, Purple Bro. Um, I think it's just <coughs> super cool that uh, Daniel Bard is making a comeback. He's been so long. Um, what a weird career he had. He was like the most dominant relief guy, the heir apparent to uh, Papelbont. <coughs> and then we saw everything kind of disintegrate when he tried to start. So – um. Yeah, man, love the stuff. Um, that's a cool story. I, I hope it works out for him. He's, by all accounts, like a good dude. And um, I always root for people trying to come back and live their dreams. And his stuff was just filth for so long. So he's awesome.
0: Yep, I agree. I would love to see him have it all work out and him actually pitching the majors again. That would be great for uh, really just baseball. <laughs> That'd be a great story.
1: Yeah, and in in 2010, just to give you an idea of the talent that this guy had, he had a – 2010 and 2011 really was filthy. But 2010, he pitched 74.2 innings pitched with a 193 ERA. That's a lot of innings out of the bullpen.
0: That is a lot of innings. Yeah. Nasty.
1: All right. That's our show. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it, Um, even despite Keaton and I coughing. Because uh, both of us can't seem to, you know, get rid of the black lung here. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, with spring weather, we will. If you enjoyed the show, please go on and follow both of us on Twitter. You can follow Keaton at the Spoken Keats. You can follow me at at Dev Jake. You can follow the Over the Monster account at, at Over the Monster, and check out all of our other SB Nation affiliates too. I follow just about all of them because why not? Um, and we'll be with you uh, weekly now that games have actually started so the long uh, the long winter's over we got baseball people thanks for tuning in uh rate and review us we always appreciate that haven't put out a call for that in a while we got 56 rates and reviews on apple right now so get those up we'd like to hear from you guys um and uh, we appreciate you so thanks so much